Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everybody, Pat DeBear here, and we are back again. We're a little late, but we are doing our roundup episode. And because we are a little delayed on getting this episode together, all of us are here. So let me introduce, starting on the East Coast in the state that we don't reference by name anymore because it's just becoming a um, an even bigger cesspool of hate and discrimination we have eric everybody hi eric hi (laughs) blink if you're scared best best introduction i've given you i think ever (laughs) it's it's a beautiful day here yeah (laughs) it's very warm those uh those cross burnings are keeping the the temperature nice and uh and crisp Ooh, yeah yeah, yeah, they Oof. just banned the the poem by that girl who read it at uh, Obama's inauguration. Yeah. Amanda Gorman, yeah, yeah, that's really yeah. because Ace in Miami in Miami Dade, yeah, and it was one parent, yeah, who complained like they are, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Ugh. fun. Oh, <laughs> we need Brian to do his patented. Oh. Ugh. Is that good? There you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> moving <laughs> up the coast a little bit. Back from uh, the rich port uh, for for some work travel. We've got BJ with us. Hola. That's Spanish Brushing for hello. <laughs> <laughs> Get that Duolingo mileage uh, out of it. Out of, uh, usage of, i don't know you know it's my funny brain's not it, functioning well you know what's funny is that my first my first day there me and my coworker go to the grocery store and he's looking at me he's just like what is wrong with you and i'm like because the thing is i used to speak spanish and i can still kind of understand it the problem is i get every other word so i don't know when people are directly talking to me or to somebody else 
And it's it, it like shorted out my brain. So like for the first week there, I had to just pretty much put in my headphones if I went to the gr- and if I went to crowded spaces. And it was it was really weird. I just could not for I was like those of you that are are bilingual or trilingual. Jesus, I don't know how you do it, but like, good lord, my my brain was was like screaming to get to a quiet space the first week there. I just love that your solution to not knowing whether or not people were talking to you was to <laughs> drown them out completely with earplugs. Yeah, that's. I mean- it happens. It happens. <laughs> and then jaunting across the country to the West Coast uh, off of a long spiel weekend. I like including the S in there. Or the uh, H, not with the S. The S is there. I include the H. Um, and I, I'm curious to know how many leg warmers and how much uh, Xanadu representation there was at this bond spiel. But we have our own curling bear, Brian. Hello, everybody. Uh, Yeah, so we had a big old queer bond spiel up here in Seattle this weekend, themed after Pat's favorite. Favorite or one one of your favorites? Not your favorite. What the Xanadu? musical? Yeah, is it favorite or not? Yeah, I mean it's up there. Like Rent is probably yeah. it's it's so basic in such of its time for being of a certain age, but Xanadu the musical is really high up there for me. Like it is campy, it is silly, it is fun, and yeah, it is definitely up there for for faves. And I have to say that having just rewatched the movie for the fifth billionth time, because I've been preparing for this for like a year. Uh, the movie does not hold up. <laughs> it's a ridiculous fucking mess. Oh, no. But it, it has its moments. It, it does. And I mean, the musical isn't yeah. much different. It's just much more self-aware. Yes. And pokes fun at the things that, I mean, Xanadu is what, 1980? 80 or 81, or but so it's taking something like that and and really taking the piss out of um the the kind of audaciousness 1980 uh the the really silly aspects of it but i mean it stars uh was it fred Fred astaire no gene kelly no gene kelly Gene Kelly. Yeah. My, oh, God. Why did, I really just I fucked that one up. Yeah, no, Gene <laughs> Kelly. It's <laughs> a dance. It's fine. It's fine. Total is all white dance men. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and honestly, Gene Kelly's moments are some of the best parts of it. Olivia Newton-John, obviously, is the star of the show. And this, this event was actually a tribute to Olivia Newton-John. But, um, yeah, we had a lot of interesting outfits. We had a lot of teams that actually did their homework. One of them was named Udi Odium. Which, if you remember, is the sign that actually changes because they filmed uh, the exterior location at different times. And the, it, I forgot, was it Studio Orpheum or something? Anyway, whatever it yeah, really is I think called. So. Yeah, it, it was missing letters at that point when they were filming, and then it actually lost more letters. So one of the times it's Udi Odium. So that, that was a great uh, choice. Uh, our friends from San Francisco Bay Area Curling Club uh, did a Let's Get Physic Curl 
So not Xanadu, <laughs> but Olivia Newton-John themed, very, uh, very spot on. We had a few Grease references, of course. What I really hoped for was a Sharknado 5 reference and a uh, hockey musical reference, because those were her last two projects. And if you've not seen either Sharknado 5 or, uh, I forgot the name, I think it's called Scores. It's a hockey musical on the CBC. They are amazingly interesting and kind of horrible, but also delightful, like Xanadu was. And Olivia and John gets some interesting roles in both pieces. So uh, anyway, no, no references to that, but it was overall a great weekend. We raised almost $8,000. We might actually get to 8,000 if some matching comes through for a local queer youth outreach center. And I kind of wanted to donate all of it to Florida right now and specifically not the state, but the, the refugees that are still there, uh, you know, especially like our friends and family, <laughs> Eric, <laughs> to uh, facilitate the uh, the what would that be called? The uh, the railroad uh, out. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we anyway. need a queer Harriet Tubman right now. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, overall it was really good. Uh, great event and I am exhausted. So I'm happy to be here, but if I seem a little less than my normal, it's, uh, I left it all on the floor. Oh, and we did have roller skates on the floor. Literally someone was roller skating <laughs> in our curling club, which was great. Of course. Oh, Lordy. And, um, uh, to segue from Olivia Newton-John to another iconic uh, woman in music, uh, sad, some of the saddest news I've had in a while from a, a celebrity death standpoint, but we lost Tina Turner today at oh, 83, yeah. Yeah. I think is what I saw. Yep. Um, so a, a long and uh, tumultuous at some points, but an amazing life and career. For the queen of rock and roll so um when i saw that today when i was at work it really did hit hard and i know myself and uh a, a bunch of other homosexuals on sunday at iml Barioki will be doing tina turner numbers at some point throughout the night in uh in honor of of tina and uh her legacy so a little sad mention there, but I wanted to make sure that we uh, we did mention mention that, which also gives away when we're recording this episode. Yep, eh. pulling back that curtain just a little bit. That's okay, but you know, uh, our, our our listeners know that uh, we're never you know quite precious about uh, revealing how quickly some of these episodes get turned around because of life and the things that we have going on. So. Uh, but yeah, this episode is dropping a week later than our normal schedule, but we are going to uh, get back on schedule. We're going to get a, a uh, microsode recorded uh, shortly after this. I mean, not the same day, but <laughs> within a short turnaround time, <laughs> we will be doing another episode and that will drop a week after this one does. So this one will come out the last uh, Friday of May. Uh, getting our May roundup in just under the wire. And then we will have our next microsode on the first Friday of June. So thank you all to our listeners uh, for bearing with us and knowing that things happen and life comes up and that, uh, you know, sometimes it's unavoidable. But with that being said, let's go ahead. And um, if, if I sound a little weird, it's because Colin in Chicago right now, is ridiculous and um my eyes 
my eyes are burning, my nose is burning, my throat is burning. I have the worst sinus headache. But um, I'm going to shut up for at least one topic. But I'm super excited because, aside, including my topic, I actually know a little bit of what's going on for three of our topics. Probably know the least about mine, so it's fine. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw it over to BJ. This is the one topic I don't know much about. I did not. Uh, I did not see this, so I can shut up for a little bit and uh, regain my my vocal prowess for this. And uh, BJ, kick us off. What are you going to be talking about? Conda, Estrata. Um, <laughs> that's why you all sound sound weird. Is because um. Uh, it's not that you're tired or um, it's allergies. You're all infected with Kandarian demons. Um, so I went to go see Evil Dead Rise, which is the fourth film. Yes, fourth film in this in the series. Um, it's a tale of two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short by flesh-possessing demons. Um, thrusting them into a primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of family imaginable. Uh, it got a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and honestly, it is probably one of the best horror films I have seen in a while. It, I mean, right now we're in a renaissance of horror, but it is absolutely fantastic. It is relentless. Um, like, it is nonstop roller coaster. Um, have any of y'all watched any of the Evil Dead movies? No. So is that required watching to watch the new one? No, actually. Um, so so what's funny is uh, the director for this one, uh, which is Lee Cronin, actually did a callback. So you have Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness. Uh, Army of Darkness kind of let it slip that there's three volumes of the Necronomicon Ex Mortis. So in this movie, it's actually a different volume from previous um, previous iterations of the film. Uh, so this, whereas the original one that everybody knows has a face on it uh, because the book is bound in human flesh. This one, it's got sharp teeth acting as like the lock to keep the book closed. So, yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting just how, like the the callbacks they did, but also like the cast is knocks it out of the park. Lily Sullivan, Lily Sullivan, uh, plays Beth, who is the main one of the main characters of the film, and then you've got uh, one actress. Like everybody is relatively new. Like all the kids are new actors and actresses. Um, Alyssa Sutherland probably has the biggest pedigree out of everybody um she she's had nothing but background roles and she was in the mist she was in devil's wear prada devil wears prada um as just like a background person so this is kind of one of her big breaks as well um yeah it's i mean it's and then actually the biggest actor of note in the movie is bruce campbell is actually in the movie um but he plays as one of the uh, one of the kids not only finds the book, but they find vinyl records of the reading of the book. Uh, and he plays the priest in the uh, the reading of the book because a long time ago, Bruce Campbell said that he's done playing Ash Williams. Uh, I think his last role as Ash Williams was in Ash vs. the Evil Dead, the TV series. And he actually almost drowned on set 
from all the fake blood uh, during a recording, I think, of the last season. So he's like, I'm out. I'm done. I don't want to die doing this. Um, but yeah, if if I mean, everybody is fair game in this movie. Um, it is terrifying in some points. And then some points it's actually because that was the complaint. I know there was a Evil Dead 2013 uh, was the last it was kind of a remake or a requel as uh, the new screen movies have coined um, that one kind of uh, that one was a bit le- like, cause the movies have always had massive amounts of camp. That one was less campy. This one was more campy, which is what everybody complained about of the last remake. This one, I it hit the sweet spot. Like, just the, the the line where where they ask the mom what's wrong and she's like I'm finally free free from all you titty sucking parasites um, <laughs> to her kids is uh, pretty <laughs> like everybody started laughing in the theater at that one and then immediately everybody started screaming from like what happened after that um, I will never grate cheese the same way and I will never leave leave a cheese grater um, just laying around on the kitchen counter I will never do that. Yeah, that's um, fair. It's good advice. Um, it is. Do you think so? I, I I didn't get to really voice this earlier. I I have watched Evil Dead, at least Army of Darkness, which is my favorite. Uh, well, oh, you know, yeah. not never seen the others, but I did also watch Ash versus Evil Dead for about I don't know a season and a half. I think I stopped before it stopped. But did they? Uh, I know they didn't like get much of a cameo from Ash because I mean it's a separate thing, so it wouldn't have made sense. But did you feel like they really tried to kind of? bring other than the callbacks that are more explicit do you think they like channeled the tone and if you could which was which of the three or four projects would you say it's closest to in tone um i would say so this so here's the thing is is apparently this one according to the director and the head producer which i believe sam raimi and bruce campbell produced this yes it's canon with all the other ones this is just a one of the three volumes Right. So, uh, uh, so honestly, I would say this one is probably out of the more recent um, Evil Dead properties. I would say this one is probably closer in tone with to Evil Dead Two, okay. and it's like the perfect mix between Evil Dead twenty thirteen and Ash vs the Evil Dead. It's it's got just enough camp to 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 kind of alleviate a little bit of the seriousness, but. It also, like, you like everybody. They do this really good method of kind of introducing the characters. It's just like a, it's like a Friday night at this dilapidated building. And the building's actually going to be torn down, so there's not many neighbors. So they have, like, four or five neighbors. You get to meet all of them. Everybody, the family dynamic is super cute. Everybody gets, it's, you really like, they do a fantastic job of getting you to like the family. Which is like in a horror movie, you're already on edge and you're already like, I'm not going to be attached to everybody. No, you're pretty attached to everybody by the time it rolls on in. Um, but and they also do a very good um, they do a very good job of like isolating you because that was the thing is Evil Dead. It always goes back to that cabin. They, it always goes back to being isolated from a large group of people who are supposed to, you know, you're supposed to feel safe in a large group of people this does such a good job of taking you into it's like it's like downtown san francisco and like you feel like there is nowhere for them to go and it does such a good job of that so yeah it's i would say this one is uh, i i'm 
they got as close to the tone as the original properties without like making it feel like it was something completely separated and different. So you guys should see it. I think I know. I don't think Pat'll like it. Yeah, it's not really in my wheelhouse. Because um, it's which too in- to say that infinitely I may not. gory. Yeah, like I don't know. I I'm I'm such. Ugh, it's so bad because like I don't see things because I'm like of a of a preconceived notion of a genre. But then I'll see something that like falls into that genre, and I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, I'm horrible because I should be watching a whole bunch of shows and series and things and like catch up. I haven't, I'm so far behind on catching up on a lot of the things that we've talked about. Like, I haven't watched the third season of uh, Umbrella Academy, I haven't watched um, the last season of The Boys, I haven't watched Ted Lasso. I like, there are so many things that we've talked about. And then I get to the weekend and I just watch like YouTube videos <laughs> over and over again. Yep. I and, like, do. This, you... this past weekend, it was something we'll be talking about later on in this episode that has encompassed my life. But yeah, but no, no, that's I. You know, honestly, I, I have to take I have to take the podcast aspect out of things. Because I feel like if I if I if I go to if I want to watch something and I'm like oh I really need to see that for the podcast, it's like I don't know if it feels like work even if it's something I want to see, like something that I'm super excited about. I'm like oh no no like or or like you know oh I'm like let me just do a double feature Saturday and like I keep putting it off or something like that. So no I I get it. It's it's like when you feel like you have to do especially when it comes to entertainment. When you when you want to consume entertainment, you want to be entertained. You don't want to consume entertainment just to consume it to like for for all the all the wonderful faceless fans out there that are listening to us right now. We love you. Wow. Um, but like, no, we want we want to enjoy. We we talk about these things and we want to do these things because we enjoy it. And Evil Dead Rise was like I actually completely forgot about talking about it on the podcast, and I was admitted I was going to pick Eric's pick. Uh, because apparently subconsciously I just want to steal everybody's topic, but uh, no, I, 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 if when you kind of take that out of it and you, it kind of takes a little bit of weird subconscious pressure you might have in the back of your head mind. Yeah. I mean, that's why like I gave up the, the two first topics that came to mind because I took a day off from work and ended up going and, and seeing what Eric will be talking about here in a minute. Um, and then I've been playing, you know, the other thing, like these were all things where I was like, oh, okay. I actually remember these are things that I can talk about. And I knew that they were going to be things that we would, would bring up. Eric, I cut you off before. I'm sorry. Did you want to chime in with, uh, with something as well? I, I apologize. If I was going to say something, I completely forgot what it was. So <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. Like, no, literally I was, I, added in like one extra little bit like as you were starting to say something and it just and I, I know it, it happens but yeah no i i i 100 agree with you bj it is tough because i feel so overwhelmed during the week from work and not to say that like i have a job that's crazy hard to do or that's you know making global changes or has a global impact but i'm tired and then I get home, and I'm a single mom who works too hard, who loves her kids and never stops. 
I do have gentle hands in the heart of a fighter. I am a survivor. Settle down there, Reba. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did that at work also. And I just, it's, it's, it's funny when you work with younger people who just are like, I knew that as a TikTok sound. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> see, before it was, see, before it was like, oh, what's this song? This sounds like a song I heard from Glee. Like, and now it's like this is a song I heard on TikTok. <laughs> oh, let, don't get me started on the TikTokification of music. I'll touch <laughs> on that later because I I have something that ties to that for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's it. it um, but when I get home, like I I now some days out of the week have to be in the office, and where it used to be that. A lot of times we weren't in the office all day because it was just our team and our manager would bounce early. So we would all be like, okay, well, we're leaving. And I'd be home at like three in the afternoon, finish out my day from home. And then I could go walk havoc and all that. Coming from downtown Chicago at five o'clock in the evening, I don't get home for almost like an hour. Like it's literally seven miles from like of driving. And it takes me 45 minutes to get home, sometimes a little bit longer than that. And it's it's exhausting dealing with that traffic and then getting home, getting Havoc together. He gets all excited to see me. So I got to play with him for a few minutes, put a harness on him, go walk him for a half an hour or so. Next thing I know, I'm like, it's almost seven o'clock in, at night. And then I still have to eat dinner. And then I've got to like try to decompress before I've got to be up at six something in the morning to go to work and do it all over again. So when it comes down to okay, well, I got to find something that I'm going to be able to talk about on the the show. And I'm so far behind on comics. Like, there are things that are coming out that are being done. And I'm like, there's a new Jean Grey title that got announced. I want to be there. I want to read it. (laughs) But I am so far behind that I need to catch up on so much that it's like, it's off-putting. And then, like you said, when it comes down to almost having that homework assignment piece of it, I just kind of shut my brain off and I'm like, okay, let's just watch some of these, you know, and now my YouTube, like I have mentioned on the podcast before, I watch a lot of like um, video game or like game. Yeah. God, what are they called? Like Twitch streamers, but they like, they edit their videos down like gameplay and a lot of speed runners. Like it's a lot of oh, speed yeah, runners yeah, yeah. that have kind of come into my, my thing. And I, I, I don't know if anybody would even care, but I do want to correct something. When I was talking about this last month or two months ago, whenever it was, I did mention Alpha Rad. And then I said I didn't want to because I, I was bringing up Maddie Morphosis as not giving a lot of time to straight uh, content creators on this podcast. I have since found out, I, and I, I apparently it was something I just didn't realize at first. Um, Alpha Rad is bi. So he is part of uh, the community, he's part of the family. So. I, I do enjoy his content. Plus, I think he's adorable, and he puts out like some real fun content. In addition to game related stuff, he has some other like he he produces other content for YouTube, which is which is a lot of fun. But anywho, completely took it on a whole other tangent outside of uh, Evil Dead. So <laughs> we'll circle it back to you, BJ, for for final thoughts and flame ratings. Um, if you are a fan of horror, the horror genre. Uh, definitely go see it. Um, even if you're not, but you're not squicked by gore, definitely go see it. It's just a really good film. Um, and especially if you have a tumultuous relationship with your family, 
go see this movie. Um, and uh, I will pro- I will definitely give this a five out of five uh, flame ratings for me. Nice. All right. Well, Evil Dead Rise in theaters currently. Uh, I'm sure it will be coming to a streaming platform in the not too distant future. They are so. Uh, actually, I think of, it's on. I think it's on Peacock. The paid version. It? I think it's it's already streaming. Um, okay, I was going to say. Yeah. The 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 interesting thing that these streaming platforms or these these companies are doing is they're not necessarily they're not pulling the the films from theaters, but they are putting them on the streamers earlier mm-hmm. with a buy or rent option because Super Mario Brothers movie is now available to like buy and stream at home. Yep. And that like within weeks of it being released in the theater, it's already, there's a home option, but you have to pay for it. You get to, you know, but the, but then you have the option of being able to watch it over again, pause it, you know, all of that stuff. I still need to go see the Super Mario Brothers movie as well, but I don't feel like paying $30 to own it on a digital platform, but that's just me. So, awesome. Evil Dead Rise, go check it out. Tell BJ what you think about it in the comments. Tweet at him. Uh, you know, just uh, email us. Let us know what you think. So, from that part of the movie genre verse, let's throw it over to Eric. And uh, let's talk about a maybe a little bit different piece of cinematic uh, artistry in the movie capacity. What are you talking about I, today, Eric? I don't know. There was some pretty sad awful body horror in this movie as well (laughs) yeah (laughs) um maybe a little but ultimately a happier movie i would hope uh is uh guardians of the galaxy volume three uh the conclusion of the guardians trilogy um the end of the guardians as we know it um Am I starting on spoilery or I'm going straight into spoils? (laughs) Brian, do you need to turn your? Do you need to mute us for a while? I I will uh, I will step away for your so you can talk spoilers. (laughs) Uh, uh, I will be back uh, in in a bit. You can just mute us and then we'll put it in the chat when we're done talking. That's fine. That also works. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I've not seen it. To give you an idea of where I'm at in Marvel right now, I just started Quantum Mania. Because it just came out on the streaming service, so I'm far behind there. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's, that's not too bad. Like, that's the last movie. movie. <laughs> yeah, but that was what, like la- that was like February, March. I mean, that was a long time ago. So I feel out of it. I feel out it's of it. May. <laughs> I feel behind. Anyway, yes. Please spoil away. Okay. Um. So yeah, nobody died. I know. Which okay. <laughs> First off, if they had if they had done anything to Cosmo, I would have rioted. I would have burned down. <laughs> oh my god! I love theater. Cosmo so fucking much. Cosmo is oh. amazing. Such a good dog. Um, but Take then, it back. okay, let's Take it back. I'm not a bad dog. Take it back. <laughs> oh my god! I teared up a little bit when he said, "You're a good dog." At the end, uh, but yeah, let's jump towards the end. Okay, how did Quill survive jumping through space? Yeah, he should have like, definitely how did he exploded just put a, a bit. Fat suit I, on. I'm gonna. I am going to attribute it to being half celestial. 
I'm yeah. just gonna say. So I'm exactly just gonna say. Figure. I would say <laughs> I'm gonna call it plot armor because by that point in the movie, I had already cr- almost cried like seven times, and I was like, I can't. I I feel like honestly. Like, I was just numbed. I would have been numbed to it by that point. I mean, the whole thing with Rocket, like, made, like, just, I was like, I can't, I can't go through any more emotions anymore. It was just an absolute fucking roller coaster. And I was like, if he dies, I'm just going to be okay with it. That was, uh, maybe it's the Chris Prattiness of it all, uh, but I didn't really care. I was like, oh, okay, good. At least somebody's going to die. Um, <laughs> But I, I just thought, like, I would have been fine overall if Star-Lord had died in this movie. However, mm. if he had died like that at the very end, just kind of tagged on, I thought that would have been shit. I thought James yeah. Gunn had a better ending for a character than that. Um, I mean, I could have seen it being, like, he went back for the, the, the Zune for Rocket. So like sacrificing himself because of that, because that that music player factored in so much throughout like the beginning of the film. Like it played it was its own character. Yeah. Like, the way that mm-hmm. they the way that they showcased it and focused on it so much early on. Well, that I can see that movies, being like the noble the, sacrifice. Yeah, in all three of the movies, the music has been its own character. Yeah. So uh, but it's, it's been nice to it's been nice to see the um, evolution of going from the Walkman to now the Zune. Uh, yeah. Okay. Where are they getting it, and how is he updating the music, and how does he know any of this music? I understood it for Volume One because it was the mix that his mom made him. Where the fuck did he? How did he like? He he how he, he got the Zune from uh he got it from one of the Ravagers. I think it was like tacked on at the end of the second movie. Because his Walkman okay. got destroyed, and and it had apparently one of the ravagers, one of the ravagers had stolen it, and it had everything up to like two thousand on it. So like, Hot but summer. it was it was like randomly tacked on at the end of of like I think the second one where he actually got he got the upgrade, and I and I think it had it had all the songs that his mom um, liked. So that's why that's one of the reasons why that became kind of the new, the one, it was a joke because it was a zoom and two, it, it was a way of them being able to pick more music. Yeah, um, I mean, yes. But apparently it had up until like 2008. I think so. Dog, it, Dog yeah, Days he, was amazing. Like was an absolute great song to pick. And I oh, yeah. bawled. I, I, I was dancing in my that. seat. He um, only idiots dance. Um, but uh, but no, it was yeah because when he was scrolling through through it, it had like it had like I think it had like seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands were like the because with zooms you can actually like reorganize them in a weird way. Yeah. yeah. So um, so yeah. So he had a weird way by decade. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, no, oh no, that, that honestly, yeah, that, I'm so glad they centered around Rocket. Um, I'm, I loved that so much. And I love the fact that we, we kind of got a continuation of, cause when Endgame happened, uh, it was only Rocket and Nebula were the only two left. And then like yeah. when, when he comes over the intercom and says something and she's like, 
Rocket, he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm alive. And and she immediately starts crying. And I was like, because they became like, they were definitely became family. And that, and she, he made her arm. They uh, That like, yeah. that really hit me. He made her arm. So like, holy shit. Yeah, we're all over the place on this. Like, yeah, I, we might. I don't know. If, do, go back do you have a do you have a synopsis to, to kind of give the? If you're listening to this spoiler task <laughs> conversation <laughs> and you don't know what the movie is or anything about this movie, Eric will tell you what. It is. So in the beginning, they're all kind of walking around, kind of fixing up uh, nowhere where the guardians bases and uh peter is just constantly drowning himself in his own sorrows of gamora doesn't love me anymore <laughs> um and then that's the first shot of from the trailer where everyone thought oh peter dies because nebula's carrying him like that and they're all marching and it's like no, he's just passed out drunk, which apparently that was just um, like a mannequin. Yeah. And apparently behind the scenes, Karen was doing some uh, funny stuff with that mannequin, uh, just tossing it around all over the place. But <laughs> um, we see Adam Warlock's entrance and he comes in and just kind of beats everybody up and tries to take Rocket and is stopped, but leaves Rocket seriously injured. So then as they try and medpack Rocket, uh, they find out that he has a kill switch inside of him, that if they use a medpack on him, it'll... Uh, it'll kill him. Kill him? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what a kill switch does, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, so this they have proprietary uh, proprietary piece of equipment. Anybody that tinkers with, I mean, and in this case, like the they have these plot convenient med packs now, where you just strap on a thing and it will fix whatever is broken, cut, killed, like or like essentially to the point of death. So the med pack and his kill switch assumes that it's like trying to take modify him the, modify him or, or or take out data so it it engages and yeah you gotta have a reason for the movie to happen yep so uh nebula scans the his um implanted pieces and finds out they belong to orgo corp so they decide we're gonna break into orgo corp and find the pass key to allow us to heal Rocket. Uh, but they need help getting in. So Nebula's like, I got a guy or person or whatever. She said, I know someone. She says, I know someone, yeah. 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 Uh, and that someone turns out to be Gamora and the Ravagers. And so that's the, With the plot. Miley Cyrus as the floating head. Ravager this time. Because <laughs> it was Miley Cyrus in uh, Guardians 2. Yep. Was the voice of whatever the, the robot's name is. I don't know it off the top of my head, but it was, was it not Miley Cyrus. Well? Uh, it was no, her. it was not. Oh. No. Uh, 
So that was the plot contrivance to get Gamora backed with the Guardians. Um, and they go invade Orgo Corp for a heist. Uh, and it's just a big ball of floating tissue, which was. Oh, yeah. Or, organic, organically grown spaceship. But I loved them using a uh, space hog in the meantime as they were floating down to it. It was just fantastic. I like the Among Us reference in their suits. That would be really happy, too. Yes, very much so. How do they know about Among uh, Us? <laughs> <laughs> so many things they should sus- not know about. They were kind of sus. Um, <laughs> but we got a fun cameo from Nathan Fillion as one of the guards. That was fun. Uh, See, this time, and- less of a cameo and more of a, a tertiary yeah, he was like a character. Yeah, he had he had a couple scenes and lines. Um, I mean, who doesn't love Nathan Fillion? For real, for real. I though. mean, everybody loves Nathan Fillion. Oh yeah, I mean, for real. <laughs> I've loved him since he was on uh, One Life to Live. That was my first introduction to Nathan Fillion. Just throwing that out there. I'll tie it back to my stories whenever I can. <laughs> Mine was two guys, a girl, in a pizza place. Oh. Later shortened to just two guys and a girl. Exactly. Um, Weird tidbits about sitcoms that I know. Yes. Uh, Uh, But yeah, so, but the whole. Also, that's where they probably should have just killed Drax if they were going to kill somebody. That should have been the death, I think. He got two pretty big ray shots to him. Oh, yeah. I did like how they, I did like how they ended his story, though. Oh yeah. yeah, I yeah. love how they ended I, all of theirs. Yeah, but I no, I mean they did a great I kept job expecting with that. someone to die in this movie, and yeah. so oh, I thought too. for sure that was him. He, like, he was pretty injured in that. Um, but they get away, and they. But the code wasn't there. It got taken by the henchman for the high evolutionary. So they Who have to go. Santos? And in <laughs> why did Santos. Santos in a fat suit? Like they could have just <laughs> left him alone. Like why they had to make him? Like is that comic book accurate? That design? I don't know. I've never read anything with the High Evolutionary. Uh, High Evolutionary. He he changes from time to time. I do know he's actually more of an antagonist for the X Men lately. Um, but yeah, he's he's. But I, I mean, think... is that is that henchman always there? Oh no, no! Usually he okay. usually he hand grows henchmen, and they're like. I was gonna say most of the time you, it's like bull people, like minotaur. Yeah, people. it's it's either Bova. minotaur people, bull people. It's you. He's he's a furry. Um, they're they're usually some type <laughs> of furry. Um, but I know lately in the comics he actually made actual like children, children like a daughter and a son. Um, so and they have different functionalities. I think the daughter can actually dampen mutant powers, uh, and the son can. Uh, uh, I think his body automatically adapts to things. Um, but yeah, he's he's. I know he started out as kind of like he's always looked like a robot, but I like how they kind of fixed it in this in the series that Rocket. They pretty much just took peeled his face off and destroyed his face. So now, and they, they actually left him alive. So I'm very excited to see if he pops up in some other property. So now real quick, you mentioned Adam Warlock. What were y'all's thoughts on how they incorporated Warlock into the story? I thought it was okay. 
Um, I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was amazing. I didn't feel really anything for him at the end. It just kind of made a little bit of sense that, okay, this is where he would be. But on one hand, like he wasn't off put enough by his mother to like completely abandon his race of people, which still exists out there. So I don't understand why he just didn't go back to the sovereign versus staying with the guardians. Cause I didn't think yeah. he kind of in like they endeared themselves enough to him to care. Yeah. It felt a little rushed in my opinion. BJ, what about you? I mean, that's the best they could have done. I mean, all in all honesty. Yeah. Because here's the thing is he's his his creation in the comics is so tied to the infinity stones, specifically the soul stone that like, even after the infinity war, he literally is like, he just keeps them for forever. Like he just becomes their guardian. Um, and he exists solely because of the soul stone. So having him as part of the sovereign, I, I knew one, I knew he wasn't going to be the big bad. Like even before they announced the high evolutionary, I knew he wasn't going to be this big bad Two, I, I figured they would, they would, they would have to make him endearing in some way. And the only way they could have really done it is he's, and I love how actually, I do like how they showed that the high evolutionary is actually responsible for a lot of the alien races that we've, scene the sovereign he created them but like he's just said like their egos are too big he's like they're beautiful idiots um so and the fact that that adam was taken out of his pod too soon so he pretty much has the mentality of a child but like the power of like captain marvel it seems like so i i i don't i didn't really he he didn't need to be there at all they could have just not had him and I feel like all yeah. the Guardians movies, I think definitely Guardians 2 and Guardians 3 have had these moments where there's like a single character and you really don't need them there at all. I think 2 was Kraglin, didn't really need to be there at all, um, except for at the end. Um, yeah, it, it felt more like this is something the studio wants included, so James yes. had to include it, versus really organic to the story that he wanted to tell. Exactly. So that's that's uh, he he didn't need to be there. I would be if they ever do an, anything with the with the newer guardians. I would like to see how the the new team does with him on it. Um. So because they kind of left him like he's left in the comics, just kind of hanging out in the universe doing whatever. Um. So. Um. But yeah, he was he it, it, the story didn't really need him. Um, there was enough yeah. emotional stuff going on that that he barely registered to me. So not good, not bad, just eh. Yeah, and you could have sent any disposable CGI villain with a, a spear or a sword to kickstart the plot point of Rocket being mortally wounded and then exactly the med pack, you know, killing him or, you know, possibly killing him because of the kill switch. Yeah, I, I, I get the whole point of why he kind of had an infantile manner, but and I know that you're not going to have a comic accurate Adam Warlock because he's not part with the Soul Stone. Um, you're not going to eventually um, diverge into Goddess and Magus. You're not going to have all of that. 
And I get that. But I like Warlock so much in the comics around that the Infinity Saga, like, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet actually, in my case, when I first read it, it was a trade paperback. Um, that it just felt almost like a disservice to the character. Yeah. Uh, it, and it just, it kind of, it, it felt a little lacking. I did like his... I did like the fact that he developed that connection with um, Ziflurb, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. the the little yep. fuzzy the little fuzzy pet creature. Uh, but I agree with with your point of the the sovereign still being a thing. Like, why didn't he go back? And with all of his, I you know I was made to be the warlock. Like, and that part was just like, oh, okay, we're really just shoehorning in his full comic name by, by doing this. But overall, I do love the fact that Adam Warlock is now a part of the MCU. Am I jumping up and down for joy on what a new guardians of the galaxy film could look like? Not necessarily, but the team that they put together at the end works for what it is. And I think would be, this was the first time it felt like a comic book where one uh, one writer's arc ends and now the, the book is being rebooted with a brand new number one because a new writer is taking over. Like This is the first time it yeah. was like, all new Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be the title of the, 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 the next film and it'll feel like the, the Marvel Now um, uh, era that we went through. So yeah, it it was a mixed bag of of feelings about Warlock in this film for me. Now, I I'm gonna throw this out, Eric. What did you think of the experimentation, the the storyline of seeing how Rocket came to be and um, kind of all of those pieces? Because we don't get just one big flashback. We get scenes throughout it was very uh breath of the wild finding the memories and, oh, and yeah. seeing flashbacks as to what happened before um because you get piece by piece and, it, and it's told fairly chronologically so it's not like yeah. you kind of are bouncing around so it is easy enough to follow along but what did you think because i i went into it a little wide-eyed because I saw some friends who had posted that they saw the movie and were horrified by it, saying that it was um, they wish they could get the those two hours of their lives back, and and that it was so so over the top that they they were just appalled by it. What is you your take on this? I thought it was him. the idea of what was happening and the things that the high evolutionary was doing was horrible and sickening and awful. And he's definitely a villain in everything he does. As far as what was actually shown on the screen, it was a little disturbing, but they never directly showed any sort of gore or anything. Um, At one point they even just used, um, because they got that file from or Orgocorp, uh, the team was able to see the history of Rocket. And so at one point we were just 
witnessing their reactions to seeing what was happening. Um, and you could just see how bad everything was that was happening. Um, so I thought that was handled fine and well. And I think it was, uh, it definitely drove the point home of how terrible Rocket's life was and uh, how much those, um, his other three friends meant to him because they were the only thing that was good in his life at that point. Yeah. Cut to me in the theater going, Oh, I wonder what's going to happen to these, these other creatures. And then realizing rocket doesn't have friends Mm -hmm. and then realizing, Oh, Oh yeah. Something bad's about to happen. (laughs) And it was, it, it was, it was tough for sure. It's, I mean, it's animal testing. I mean, I, it's, I mean, granted, it's a little bit more torturous, but it's animal testing. We do that to animals. We like, that's why, like, you see people who, who go out and make sure they buy, like, beauty products and stuff that aren't tested on animals because when they test on animals, it's like chemical burns, seeing if they get cancer from this. Like, it's like there was that whole thing where that one lab was shut down because they no longer did animal testing and they had beagles puppies that had never been outside ever like they didn't know how to walk on grass they were like so confused and like scared of just being outside with people so like it's that's that was that whole that honestly that whole thing was a message to like don't abuse animals like maybe consider getting something that's not for you know, tested on it, buying products that aren't tested on animals and stuff like that. So I mean, granted, it was taken to the extreme. Sorry, no, no, no. That's, um, I just wasn't sure when you were ending your thought, and I was no, trying to pick up right <laughs> when you ended. Yeah, you know? uh, but to me, probably the most visually disturbing thing was when um, they aged the turtle. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm like the thousands of years of evolution and just seeing what that ended up doing to it and just being instantly thrown away. Um, Those scenes with the, the, the rapid evolution and the, um, the aggressiveness like that, those couple of scenes were, and I mean, it's, it's CGI. It's not like, you know, it's not like these things are being done to these animals in real life it's you know it's a film series but yeah. seeing that type of thing and, and yeah bj 100 percent to your point it is an allegory for the world that we live in and cruelty to animals animal testing experimentation that's done and and those are things that do exist in in real life and yeah it can be hard to watch it can be hard to to deal with but i agree i i definitely after reading uh, Melanie and Ace, uh, their response to to the movie, I was like, "Oh my god, what am I going to see in this film?" <laughs> and like, and having seen the Suicide Squad, like, I I know that James Gunn can be gory and violent for gore and violent sake, uh, but I also know that Marvel doesn't really usually go down that route all too much. Um, so I, I thought it was I thought it definitely pulled at the heartstrings, 
and it was definitely a message but not as oh my god i want my two two and a half hours of my life back type of you know outrage yeah. for for that well some people some people just don't like being reminded about stuff like that like you know it's you know you when you're when you're you're the concept of it some people just put it out of their heads and then when they're faced with it and you know either lose your 20 bucks or you know come to the grips of reality that like there are there are there's sanctioned animal torture just happening like you know in a lab somewhere in the country you call home you know some people just they're like and, and then they just get mad at whatever you know reminded them of that fact yeah yeah you're right and i'm i'm always of the mindset of like and i know in social media people are going to say what they what they think but i'm always that person that's like I'm not going to sit there and tell you, oh, my God, don't ever go see this. This was hard. Like, say, hey, I did not like this, um, you know, and, and, and express your opinion. But to like so vehemently be like, that I walked out of it going, damn, this is the best Guardians movie out of the three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because because I mean, sure, there was some disturbing things. And if you think about that, but it never showed any of that in any sort of positive light it was all negative it was all villain building it was all uh, and and it it had the payoff at the end of rocket realizing that you can't just save these one you know the the baby raccoons because it was you know that that link to him you know it's like no we need to take all of these animals off of this, uh, off of the ship, we need to save them all, and mm-hmm. and then figuring out a way to get the animals off of the exploding ship to nowhere, and and all of them working together to do that, including Cosmo, who was the the linchpin, and the without Cosmo, oh, without Cosmo, purpose. would yeah. never have been able to accomplish it. <laughs> so. Uh, but I one last thing I because I, I know that we've been talking about this for a while. This is in lieu of a microsode on, on this. <laughs> we've had so many, we've had so many, uh, so many things come out. And uh, uh, friend of the show, Luke, actually messaged me after we did our Black Panther micro months after the movie came out and was like, <laughs> I, I had this show that I wanted to talk about, and I wasn't sure if it was too late to talk about. Then I saw you do your Black Panther microsode months <laughs> after it was out. And I figured, yeah, it's worth it. Um, But uh, one of the things that you had mentioned, I forget about BJ or Eric, if you had mentioned it, uh, the High Evolutionary was left alive. Because one of the things that I'm I'm finding, and I think we talked about this, did did we, have we talked about Quantumania or was that offline? We we have not officially discussed quantum mania no we have not oh okay we must have been having a conversation before or after a uh a recording but there one of the things that marvel likes to do is introduce a bad guy a villain and then essentially dispose of them and you kind of get that that vision with kang and i know that we talked about you know whether or not kang is actually kang the conqueror is still around he's not the whole uh, plethora of Kangs in the, the Colosseum with the Council of Kangs. Um, but you have somebody like the High Evolutionary who is a bigger factor, a larger scale, a cosmic threat 
in the in the Marvel Comics universe. So to have, do you think both of these actors were up for both of those villain roles? And do you think Disney is sad that they chose which one for which one? Well, <laughs> 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 well. <laughs> Eric, you're saying the quiet part out loud. <laughs> you're saying the quiet part out loud. We're suddenly going to have Kang with the high evolutionary speed victims. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, <laughs> but the high evolutionary was left alive. Rocket showed him mercy because, as he said, everybody deserves a second chance. Uh, what are your thoughts on kind of leaving that door open for more high evolutionary somewhere down the road? Because we didn't get a the Guardians will return. We got a Star Lord will return at the end of uh, which is that was the end credit, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, what's the mid credit? I don't even remember what the mid credit was. They uh, rocket with the new team running. A oh, mission. that was oh, okay. So the new team was the mid credit, and then um, Star Lord going and seeing his his grandpa. Um, that was the the final uh, the post credit scene. So yeah, we get a Star Lord will return. So thoughts on the High Evolutionary still being out there, being around, and uh, possibly wreaking havoc on uh, the the world later. I I hope he shows up um, when they start doing X Men stuff because, like I said, the High Evolution a lot of his storylines that I liked involved him like. Marv, he like he loves mutants. He thinks mutants are awesome, and he's like, "Let's kill all humans." And he's, I, I would love to see him interact with with uh, with mutants on Earth, or have him be attracted to Earth because of mutants, because he likes Earth. It is a sexy planet. He likes ego. He likes so. the. He likes the the. I was gonna say ego likes Earth. I was gonna say the uh, Celestials love Earth. Um, you know, it's but having him attracted one to is Earth still sticking him, out of the ocean that we've never yeah, talked about uh, for a biological reason to have him. That would give him a reason once he gets out of and the place is called no here, not nowhere anymore. Um, it's no here. And he uh, but having him get out and then become like a threat for Earth would be interesting, um, especially since we know we know the planet Earth is about to go through a, you know, freak ass psycho billy freak out over random people with superpowers so um yeah no i'm i'm very interested in seeing what else he could be popped up for i i thought overall uh all the characters including leaving the high evolutionary alive but on an exploding spaceship so um i thought all the characters ended in a good place um, I thought all th- I thought all the character arcs were done really well. Um, I thought Drax ended on a good note, especially since how in both Guardians Two and in the Holiday Special, I thought they were just kind of writing him to be just a mean character instead of how he was portrayed in the first Guardians, where it was just that he didn't understand nuance or sarcasm or anything like that. He was just a literal character and it just became him just being mean to Mantis. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it did take a turn in that. And yeah, I could absolutely see where you're coming from with it. And I am happy with how I think Mantis was probably my favorite of like the growth arcs mm-hmm. from two into the holiday special into three. And especially her telling Drax, like, no, I need to do this on my own. I need to go chart my own path. Like, that was, I thought that was fantastic. And, you know, it, it, it and definitely, and that culmination on No Here, apparently, I missed that part. Um, <laughs> and I mentioned it before, when when they break out into the, the, the dancing fit to uh, Dog Days Are Over, by Florence and the Machine, if you are a youngin and don't know what, the, what that song was. God. Oh my god. It's starting to feel really, really old now. Um, <laughs> to see after such a tumultuous event happen, for there to be that joy and there that, that kind of light coming out of it, I, I think it was definitely a, a very well done ending to that three film arc three film and a holiday special arc uh for the characters so wrapping it up what are we giving it flame rating wise bj we'll start with you Uh, i'm gonna do a four out of five i will give it a four and a half out of five i really enjoyed this movie it i did not expect to come out of it crying and i was i was sobbing like at the end of that and for cosmo alone it gets that four four and a half out of five flames for me eric is your topic close us out on your flame rating i am also a four and a half out of five i thought it was great it's probably my favorite overall marvel trilogy um so far i think it did the best job with the characters that it was focusing on um and yes after uh guardian's Two, not that it was a bad movie, but it was just kind of compared to the first one. I was not expecting to like this one as much as I did. Um, Yes. 100% agree. 100% hard agree with that. Well, dear listeners, we appreciate you so much. We thank you for listening to our podcast, for supporting us, uh, telling friends about us. Anything that you do to help us is all amazing in our books if you have not done so why not go over to our website flameonshow.com where you can check out all of our links to everything our socials are there you can email us you can find our non-existent twitch channels because none of us have been twitching lately (laughs) um all of that is there our patreon uh, patreon.com forward slash flame on show is also linked from the website as is our threadless shop but speaking of patreon you can support us financially at any of the four levels that we have um with great perks at each of the levels and we we appreciate your support in any way that you're able to uh with all of our hearts so that is flame on show.com and flame on uh, patreon.com forward slash flame on show almost got through that without messing it up 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So I'm going to do my topic real quick because Brian's topic is going to be another one that's going to have uh, lots of conversation about it. And uh, I, I think that that is a great way to end the episode. So I am going to chat real quick about gag order. Uh, for those of you who may not know, Kesha is back and released another album. Uh, came out on May 19th. She announced it, I want to say, on April 26th, uh, 25th, somewhere around there, the last week of April, with uh, the announcement of two singles. We weren't even sure if it was one or two. She just said, uh, fine line slash eat the acid out. Uh, I think it was the 29th of April. So when we got to that, it was, in fact, two songs from her upcoming uh, fifth album, Gag Order. And Gag Order is the fifth studio album by American singer-songwriter Kesha. It was released on May 19, 2023 by Kimasabi Records and RCA Records. This is her final album under Kimosabi, a contract she signed when she was 18. Now, it's in late April 2023. The album sees the singer as executive producer following her previous two albums. She primarily worked with producer Rick Rubin, who helped her deep dive or dive deep into her more vulnerable side to create the project. Other producers include past collaborators Stuart Crichton, Stint, and Drew Pearson, and new collaborators Jusifer, Jusifer Hudson Mohawk, Kennedy, and Jason Ladder. Uh, musically, the album departs from the electro-pop sound of High Road and is primarily an art pop, experimental, electronic, and psychedelic record. All of their elements of hyperpop, soul, lo-fi, dark wave, country, and gospel. Kesha described the album to be a culmination of all the genres of music she likes. Lyrically, the album touches on much darker themes such as death, depression, emotional exploitation, control, hope, and a battle for the truth. In contrast to her previous record, which aimed to return to her party pop sound, Kesha on this record focuses on overcoming trauma and depression from the ongoing lawsuit with her former producer, Dr. Luke. So, the biggest takeaway from, from this album is that it is her final record to be released under this contract, with Dr. Luke being her producer and holding the rights to her music over her. Um, after a well, during a continued and long, uh, embittered battle over uh, abuse allegations on Kesha's part uh, towards Dr. Luke, 
and um a, a, a tumultuous battle back and forth uh suing counter suing uh i it hasn't been said a lot of times because uh, the court documents are are not public record but she had a tour that was scheduled for last middle of last year follow uh which would have culminated in the second uh weird and wonderful rainbow ride which was the cruise that she had put on back in 2019 early 2019 um that i was lucky enough to go on and we were all excited we were finally getting to go on the second cruise and with no explanation the entire tour and cruise were canceled so it led to believe that there was court issues going on and in one of the songs, uh, she even says, you know, I'm about to blow your fucking mind. Uh, I'm being sued because my mom's been tweeting. So there have been lots of uh, uh, lawsuits back and forth uh, between the two parties and uh, projects being shelved, tours being shelved during the course of all of this. And... Okay, I'm going to give my my opinion of this album, which is part of the reason why I'm talking about it. Uh, Do I think this will ever top my list of favorite Kesha albums? I don't think so. From a perspective of singability, kind of um, connecting to it for my life. And that's fine. Because what I'm realizing is that the more that I listen to it, the more I want to listen to it. Um, And yes, there may not be parts where I'm like, you know, there really are no parts to this that are the Kesha of old. No Kadala sign ha appearances. She's not duetting with herself on any of these tracks. But there are a couple of of songs that maybe kind of border on that. Um, Only Love Can Save Us is, is... described as more of like a house like a deep house kind of um song and the chorus is is singable you know it's kind of one of those that i could see remixed where you just kind of have that like deep trance house music and then just the chorus with like leaving out like the the verses itself um but the more that i sit with it the more that i i it moves me the the impact it has the how honest and and open she is without saying anything directly about him about the lawsuits themselves about everything that she has gone through it's incredible like the the fact that she made this album the fact that she made this album and put this album out on his record label this is something that you would almost expect her to have put out like another party pop album to finish out her contract. Because I mean, she could have come up with, I don't know what her contract says, but there's a little part that go of you that says, why not just pump out shit? Like just put shit out, like record music, put five albums out and then be done with it. But as an artist, I commend her for not wanting to put something out that she didn't want to put out something that she didn't approve of, she didn't appreciate. And I know that before Rainbow, before she made Rainbow, she had to win her way out of even having him be 
being in control of producing her her music like or directly being involved with the creation of her music so rainbow high road and El gag order are under kimasabi records but don't have dr luke involved he's not a producer on the albums he's not like in that creative piece of it um so i i commend her for wanting to to put out stuff that she feels is a is the best representation of her so to have this type of of record to have these songs come out on his record label i feel like it's an even bigger fuck you to him and it's amazing oh yeah um, absolutely it, it's uh i'm gonna there's a song called hate me harder that is uh it's the second to last track and it is one of the biggest fuck yous on the album to him and and people in general. Uh, I'm I'm trying to so this verse. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read two two parts of, of this. So if hating me helps you love yourself, do your worst, baby. Give me hell. Hate me harder. Hate me harder. There's nothing left that I haven't heard, and I can take it. So make it hurt. Hate me harder. Hate me harder. Isn't it funny? You're spending all that time and energy wasted on me. It's so flattering. You say I look like I just crawled out of a trash can. You say I'm obnoxious. Nobody was asking. Luckily, the joke's on you. I've got nothing left to prove. Like, there is so... I What I'm assuming are quotes and things that have been said to her by him. Uh, one part that I didn't read talks about, like, you know, you look older. So what? Like to take things out of like out of that context that are meant to be jabs and meant to be things that are are to tear her down and turn that into such a song a a a, a piece of art that will empower other people to look down those people that are trying to hurt them and say, really, you were just doing this for yourself. This has no effect on me. The reason that you know you're you're spending all of this time and you're trying to take me down, tear me down, just you know keep 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 hating me harder, like, and then to go from that into the final track of the album called Happy, and it it's being a a kind of a, a song that is her reflecting on when she was younger. If you had asked her what it, what she wanted, it would be you know all the fame and the the partying and everything that was her career at the beginning, and now after having gone through everything she's gone through, like what she wants now is to be happy, and to have that be the final piece, the final song on the last album under that contract. It's it's moving, and it's honestly like it is it, it's a. It is something that you may not have expected. It's it's not what I expected from a Kesha album, but seeing her songwriting and her putting her traumas, her growth, her her spirituality. There's a lot of spaceship references, a lot of extraterrestrial. Um, you know, song "Eat the Acid." Her mom apparently, when she was younger, uh, did acid. And it, she said that it changed her entire view. Like she saw things 
in the grander scheme of of the world and of life in the universe and told she told kesha uh i don't know if she told her other kids but she told kesha uh never to do acid unless she wanted her entire world to be changed so to take stuff like that and, and kind of really shape this record and this this journey and for it to be she still has a fight on her hands with with the lawsuits that are that are out there but for her to be able to kind of end this part of the chapter this part of her life that she is now not beholden to this producer it's phenomenal so yes is rainbow still my favorite kesha album yes and it probably always will there are so many songs that that really just dig to the core of me and my traumas. But for anybody out there that is that has gone through trauma, that has uh, been a you know a, a physical abuse survivor, a verbal abuse survivor, a sexual abuse survivor, give it a listen because you may find that there that the the words in there will resonate in such a way that that you can appreciate the art and there are so many people out there billboard runs their poll i guess every week for new music and what tops like what the fans you know say tops the the list and this was the the uh the poll winner for best new music or you know best new album last week so it is resonating with the fans I am gonna I'm gonna wholeheartedly trumpet it and support it because it's Kesha, it's what she put her entire heart and soul into. And it's the end of a chapter and the start of a new one for her. So gag order, it's out there. Um go stream it, buy it, listen to it, do whatever you need to do, go support Kesha, and um yeah. I, I know nobody else listened to the new Kesha, so <laughs> not even going to throw it out there. I'm just going to have my little my little soliloquy about it. <laughs> I so haven't listened to the new Kesha that I thought Rainbow was her newest album. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ma'am. Ma'am. That was what, 2018 was Rainbow? Yeah. Um, uh, it's a really good album, yeah, but I, I oh. did not know that High Road existed. And, and when you well, said High that Road gag... came out at a weird time. What were you going to say, Eric? I cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh, no. That's okay. I, um, I did not know High Road existed. And then when you said you were doing gag order as your topic, I, was, I had no idea what that was. And... <laughs> I was like, is that something that's on X hamster or something? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> My topic this month is this oh. great porn I watched. Oh man. On XNXX.com. I don't I don't watch X hamster. Uh, oh. Yeah, well High Road came out uh I think like January 30th, 2020. But the um the lead singles were out prior to that but the album came out right before the the pandemic lovato really swept the nation so that was number one on the charts rather than than high road but uh yeah it, it also a lot of everything was going on and then 
um, that's where she was going to do some touring for. She did a little bit of touring. She eventually did play the tour that I had tickets for. Um, those all got canceled. And then she did a mini tour and I was supposed to go to Florida and see that in mid 2021, but did not go down because COVID was still a thing in Florida did not give a shit. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then when we were going to go on the cruise, she was going to do more tours and, and that just, that was around the time that all that happened and, Nobody knew what was going on because a lot of the stuff is, like I said, all uh, all sealed and not available to the public. But yeah, well, go listen to High Road. Um, my, I wore my my High Road t shirt on the day of Gag Order's release. Uh, it's the green and blue like melting candle. That's the cover, and then on the back it says, "I'm fucking everything." And my favorite <laughs> Kesha shirt. So, anywho. Gag order. I'd give it. I'd give it a, a three point seven five. That is slowly getting higher in my rankings. If we were to rank it, um, because I, I think um, all I need is you. Is kind of like the love song ish, platonic, romantic. Like it can be taken a lot of different ways, and that that I think that happy and hate me harder are um, probably my top picks from the album. So, yeah, gag order by Kesha. Go listen. All right, let's go to the last topic of the month. Brian, I am so excited for this to be your topic because we're going to have a conversation about this. Uh oh. Oh, gosh. Uh, What are you talking about? (laughs) So, I am uh, talking about uh, Zelda, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. That has, I'm sure, gone completely unnoticed and underplayed since it came out, what, a week or so ago? Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> actually, like five or almost ten people exact- bought. Well, sorry, say again? So, like, five or ten people bought the, the game. Yeah. It's this uh, little indie, indie, indie game. So, I actually got this, and I'm not trying to humble brag, but it's important. Uh, I got this a day before it came out. Somehow, magically, by the power of GameStop, uh, shipping it to me early uh, and it's funny because I actually ordered it like four days prior like I was very late to the party to order it but this is useful for me because that was about when I had to go into my bond spiel uh, hole of of darkness and uh, and disco balls and roller skates so I got to play a little bit before I had to go into full crisis mode so uh, I got a little head start and then I talked to my brother I talked to my nephew, talked to Pat, talked to a few other people, and they had passed me in the dust uh, very short uh, days later, uh, doing all kinds of things that I just listened to and wonder and went, wow, that's, that's, I'd never even thought of that. So again, talking about Zelda, this is the follow-up to the 2017 Breath of the Wild game for the Switch. Um, It feels like it was a decade ago. It was actually only uh, six years uh, which is just in my brain, kind of the opposite of what you'd think. Um, but uh, very well uh, anticipated, very uh, people have been rabidly uh, theorizing about based on what they saw in the trailers, going as far to think that this might be a prequel to all of the games ever made, that this might be a Skyward Sword 
thing that this might be like all kinds of crazy uh Ouroboros, so this is the beginning of the legend is it just craziness and 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 speculation and uh we will spoil a few minor things here i will definitely not spoil much because i'm actually not that far into the plot of the game i know enough to be dangerous but i don't know probably some of the major things that happen um how many companions do you have i have uh <laughs> In theory, I have one, but he is dicking around in the Wind Temple right now. Uh, I think it's Roti or Roni or uh, it's the bird guy. It's Birdman. Now, now let's let's Tulin. Let's be clear. It's a Robali from Breath of the Wild. Now, how many penises have you made in the game? (laughs) That's the question we need answered. So, how many? How many penises have you built? I'm so glad you shared vaginas. I've seen that too. I've seen a couple of vaginas as well. (laughs) Of course you have like, like this is the thing we can't have nice things. We can't have nice things. Um, So this, this game has a gimmick or it's it's more than a gimmick. This game has a uh, physics engine that is uh, very impressive and materials and abilities to manipulate those materials. A la, I won't say Minecraft exactly because it's not that level but something along the lines of like that at a, at a sort of, you know, giant uh, planks of wood, uh, two by fours, wheels, uh, and then some very fancy devices that are uh, way beyond what you'd expect in a, in a fantasy game, a la a rocket, <laughs> like a, a, a sci-fi little rocket that you can oh, yeah. use. Um, wind turbines, uh, giant springs, Gosh, there's so many. You haven't uh, even gotten to the cannons, the lasers, the flamethrowers. Yeah, they, shit they, gets bananas. It, it is a little um, insane in the in the scope, but but basically the premise is this. Oh, and so I took that thought. You can basically build many different useful and sometimes just entertaining contraptions. Uh, and if you go on TikTok as BJ demonstrated to us uh, in our group chat, <laughs> you also can find how you can build uh, your own flaming penises and other uh, anatomy that, that delights you. Uh, People are building Gundams. It's yeah. And that, I mean, this is, but, but I will say that this is kind of part of the wonder of this game because like a lot of us here, pretty much I think all of us are Zelda people. Like we've all played it. We, oh, Beth, Breath of Wild was a huge part of our life in 2017, 2018 and, and on uh, Zelda has been a part of my life since the very first one in 85. I, I, I mean, I would be into it no matter what you did, what weird gimmicks, what weird uh, gyrations that the link goes through, what odd uh, bolted on concepts, a la rocket ships like that, that they throw in there. Cause Zelda's always got something crazy that comes out of the woodwork. But um, this game uh, produced by uh, Ao Aonuma, uh, who has actually been involved with Zelda since Ocarina of Time in some way, shape, or form. And this is... Oh, wow. He's he's pretty much, other than uh, Miyamoto and a few others, you know, who have done some of the earlier games with him, like, he's one of the big guys. He shaped Zelda for for most of our adult lives um, in that, and since that game, whenever the hell Ocarina came out, like early 2000s or late 90s, maybe. Um, yeah, late 90s. So it isn't surprising that there's a lot of continuity with past games uh, as far as like nods and, and sort of references. 
canon and continuity, you really have to throw that out with Zelda. They're they're really they're really more in the Japanese style of sort of Rashomon or sort of like taking the basic elements and then recombining and remixing them to tell a different story. But you always have a Zelda, you always have a Link, you always have a Ganon of some form, uh, or or bad guy, I guess, not always Ganon. Um, this is though, probably one of the closest sequels they've done. I think the other one that would be kind of in the same vein would be like Majora's mask to Ocarina. Um, because this is a direct plot wise sequel to breath of the wild. So it doesn't pick up like right at the end when you do the thing in in breath of the wild and you get Zelda and you began, it doesn't do that, but it kind of picks up like years months indeterminate time later so you get to see the same kind of world of breath of the wild but like it's moved on it's kind of done new things that's changed in a lot of ways based on some of the events very early in the game um and 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 it just it transforms this very familiar pastoral sort of ruins uh of 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 the zeldaverse into something a little more lively, a little more, you know, like positive and like things are growing and things are building. And there's, there's all these political ads that you would never have expected in a Zelda game. And I, and I don't mean like, you know, modern politics. I mean, like uh, what's the, what's the guy who's running for president's name? Um, oh my God. I've only seen him a million times on his freaking. No, posters. he's the president of the, the building company. Oh, I thought he was running for president. Oh, I'm such an idiot. I was like, where are their political ads? Okay, so he's running for president, but somehow he needs to advertise. I guess. Right? No, and apparently, and so it it is years afterwards, because apparently that guy is in Breath of the Wild. Oh, of course he is. He's the guy who you help build the little village with, who's got like the penis, like dome, like hat thing. Yeah, I don't. I haven't played that game since I finished it. I just the, can't at least finished that. the DLC. I well because well, I didn't realize because I was like, how? Where are the people from the first game or from the last game? Yeah, because when you do the Rito Village, you don't. I don't believe the Rito from Breath of the Wild is in this game. Some of them are like, in some. I yeah, right. I don't remember the Rito to save my life. Those are the bird people. The main um, guy cuz Rivali was the 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 divine beast like right. captain. But then the one that like the one that you help or or works with you during Breath of the Wild not in this game. So I was okay. like, where do these people go? And then I continued on and I was like, oh no, there's that person. Yeah. There's that person. So there are so many direct ties, but that guy in Tarrytown, the one Hudson, that's Harry, his name. Hudson, Hudson, yeah. Yeah. He's the president of the Hudson's construction company. And then you eventually there is a quest where he has a child with the Gerudo lady that oh. he meets in Breath of the Wild. So that's that's the only way that I know that there is a somewhat of a gauge. They don't say how old the child is. She's probably 10. So whatever amount of time had passed between that plus 10 is what is where this falls in the timeline or the or the space between Breath of the Wild and, and Tears of the Kingdom. Well, and other things like, you know, the the transformation of the the towns, the 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 fact that the the Sheikah towers have been replaced by the Pura mapping towers and the Skyview towers, yeah. Skyview. Like those are interesting things where I'm sitting there like, 
why did they do that? Like some of the stuff doesn't make sense. Exactly. The fact that you don't have a Sheikah slate, but you now have a Pura, a Pura pad, um, which we'll get to miss Pura in a minute. Is, is that my saying your name? Pura Pura. I don't know. Um, I think it's Pura. Pura yeah. Pad. Like I just, it's, it's, there's interesting little modifications, but again, it's very similar to Majora's mask in that Majora's mask kind of sort of takes place in the same world though with its own groundhog day and all that other stuff, but, but different, like they change a lot. There's different people, there's different things. So I guess all of this to say people who had these grand ideas about what this represented in the Zelda series might be disappointed. However, it's very true to the same kind of storytelling dynamics, same kind of stuff they did in breath of the wild. And in that way that it is a outgrowth of breath of the wild. I mean, they basically told it in uh, interviews numerous times, like this was DLC that grew into a game. And that's not to say that that's not a bad thing. It's DLC that evolved and grew and just took over the idea for a new game. But it is absolutely like a direct sequel in many ways. Now, the thing that we haven't talked about, but is kind of key to this whole thing is the fact that the world of Hyrule is transformed by acts that kind of happen at the very beginning of the game. I mean, they just drop you right in and you're hanging out with Zelda exploring a, a, an underground like cavern under the castle and uh, I mean, anyone who's seen any of the trailers probably realized shit goes bad. Uh, things things get really weird. You don't quite know what what exactly happens. You know, some you know Zelda falls, you do an abyss, and you know you black out after defending her with your arm, kind of a la um, was that uh, Princess Mononoke, where the Ashitaka puts his hand out and like blocks the demon. And then his arm becomes like infected that that's kind of the idea there. And then you wake up and you're, you know, you, the link wakes up and you're in a whole different world, like above the clouds, you're in the sky islands. You're learning about this new race of people who were referenced in breath of the wild, but really didn't have any significant, you know, activity called the Zonai. Um, there's this Zonai ghost that's helping you out. And I think his name is similar to some other characters in the past franchises, but it's a little different. It's like Ramu or Ramu. I, I can't. Like I said, I can't remember. Well, his name is Raru. Raru. That's it. But Raru has Raru. been, I think, used in the past as a, like a sage name or something. It, He's the first king of Hyrule. And I think there it's been tied in. I, I think in more recent um, games, they've referenced the first king of Hyrule and, and had his name be Raru. So then there's yeah. When Zelda like, when Zelda eventually meets him, it's it they connect that dot there. But you don't bury the lead on the ghost Raru when you finally actually meet him face to face. Because this game likes to do these introduction placards. Because you get it even when you're exploring with Zelda underneath the castle, and it's Zelda, Princess of Hyrule. But when Link meets Raru, it's just says, Raru. Source of the right arm. <laughs> and I chuckled so goddamn much at that. I was like, you don't give him no other information except source of the right arm. <laughs> I mean, it's true. He, he Yeah. And, it's I mean, it's it, weird, it though. It's weird. Japanese, and this is all kind of, I, I feel like some of this gets explained the more you learn about Japanese culture. But like, there's, there's, like, there's like jokes. There's like things that don't translate right. Or there's things that translate and it, they're making a joke and you don't get it. Uh, I don't know which version of that this is, but it is. That's, I forgot about how, uh, yeah, how uh, blunt or uh, non-descriptive that is. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it starts out in the way that a lot of Zelda's do that. You start with like a closed area, you kind of learn the dynamics, you get your Pura pad and in, in the sort of pre-game sort of adventure you have with Zelda and you, you get abilities through the arm. Now that's a big thing. So you've, you've basically got this Zonai ghost arm from Raru. <laughs> Sounds a little macabre. The arm isn't a ghost. That is a, that's the ghost. only physical part of Raru that's left. Right, but that still is kind of odd. Like I don't know. So I haven't figured it out. And maybe they tell you they, later. Well, they had he... to cut off his. They had to cut off his arm, and the oh. and ghost Raru performed life saving surgery and grafted a new arm onto. I mean, I, mean I I just assume it's a it's just a cyborg arm. I mean everything yeah. everything in Hyrule Hyrule has advanced has always had advanced technology. So it's well no it's just it, a cyborg. but that's the thing BJ is that there is a point to it. It is Raru's arm because yeah. of the Zonai power. Like it, because it's the Zonai are essentially descendants of the gods that created the Triforce and Hyrule like these are the 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 when they mated with the human people, humanoid people, they created the lineage of the royal family of, of Hyrule. So the arm plays a, a huge factor in it. But Brian, when you were playing this and getting these abilities, did you think that because this was the first thing that I thought about? Um, did you think, wait a minute, is this the Legend of Zelda Bioshock Infinite? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. Because, no, but you're right. That's totally there. Yeah, it, it very much felt like a, a, a Bioshock Infinite moment with all the different abilities in the arm. I, 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 I think it, it, it's cool. So none of this is, by the way, if we sound like we're kind of po- poking at it a little, it's only because I think it's still beautiful. It's still a delightful remix. I think, again, I've heard most disappointment in the people who thought there were all these other things happening. But um, I, I still think the game is gorgeous. And the music, uh, I had to look up the uh, previous composer because I think I had it wrong. I used to think it was Awata. But I guess it was actually uh, he did like one thing. And then this uh, this woman, Minaka Kataoka, did the soundtrack for Breath of the Wild. And she's back for uh, this game and is it's just gorgeous it's just it's pastoral but with a little bit more going on and in fact the sky islands get this sax jazz kind of chorus going it's like this ambient sax music it's just it's just absolutely like beautiful suggesting a little bit more advanced civilization than like just piano riffs and and occasional heart plucks i don't know whatever whatever breath of the wild did which was mostly piano but like it it's it's just so beautiful and so nice I think uh, people will be happy that there is more underground stuff. Although so far I've been like, oh great, I get to go in a cave and break some rocks and, and hunt some some wizards. I was, and- I was gonna say, there's uh, you haven't gotten to the abyss yet. I have not Tops. gone into the abyss. I have not like done. Oh, okay, yeah, because again, helped. just like Breath of the Wild, you can you can explore this game many different ways. So each of us took probably our own path. And we'll continue to sort of crisscross and do whatever. Like I do, I started the wind temple the other night and I went, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not doing this now. I'm going to go off and collect ingredients and do shrines and, and just kind of fuck around because I don't think I'm ready. And also I just, I kept dying. So really it was mostly because I was dying, but um, I didn't find, I didn't find the archaic um, greaves, the, the cold weather greaves that are in the sky islands that you're supposed to find, I guess, right after (gasps) the cold shrine, right after you do the cold shrine, like you come out and you go around the back. 
Yeah. And you can ascend through the the through the little overhang. And there's a chest right in there that has greaves that you put on that are <laughs> cold weather reduction or cold weather like uh you know stopping you from getting hurt. Yeah. I did the entire wind temple getting hurt every like oh my god 30 seconds and taking damage from cold because I didn't because when you get to that point, you're so high up. That it's unbearably cold, but even the cold elixirs don't help. Yeah. So I literally did the entire temple being getting taking damage every single oh like gosh. whatever thirty seconds it was. It was ridiculous. And then I went back and bought it because the one thing that this game has, like Breath of the Wild, is not a lot of rupees to be found in oh. a lot of places. You have to so like you have sell. to break those rocks. Well, you have to break yes. the rocks, and you have to sell all of your shit. Just keep. Picking up this, this is like the Kingdom Hearts where you have to run around collecting every little drop of energy that you you get out of creatures. You have to pick up fucking everything. And I will say, what would be really nice of this game to do is maybe turn off the sound effect for when you pick something up because there are times where you are just you are just running and trying to grab everything that's been dropped by these bad guys and you just it's just like it's it's it becomes a little obnoxious and it takes you out of the sort of pastoral just running around the grass chasing horses and building political signs and or advertising advertising i guess <laughs> whatever but i i also like- yeah what? I did not realize that you were supposed to build shit to hold the sign up for him. <laughs> I had no clue. I just kept telling him to let the sign go and it would just keep falling. And I was like, <laughs> all right, bye. I have done, there were so many things that I have done like out of order, which I know there isn't necessarily an order, but there is an order for some of these things because I went and saw like this one guy, talked to him, and there was a Zonai machine where like you throw in the, the charges. And it, the big gumball machine. The gotcha pond? Yeah, some, yeah, yeah. Um, and I went to the one by Gerudo Town, or on my way to Gerudo Town, and I talked to that guy first, and apparently you talk to the person at Tarrytown, or Tarrytown, the one that's there, and like that triggers a side quest that you do by like doing the gumball machine. But, so like I'm doing some stuff out of somewhat order, but it's, yeah, I've gone on some wild chases, so you are do you, you when you talk about the the sound effect of picking things up. Now just imagine how much dif- more difficult it is, or how much more frustrating it will be when you have a pack of people with you that get triggered. Their powers get triggered by pressing the A button. Oh yeah, no. Well, so it's already annoying with the one dude. So so what I don't understand, and maybe you'll just spoil this one part. Once I finish the wind temple or whatever temple that you know you get the dude assigned or person assigned, do they then follow you for the whole freaking game? Not necess- not technically. I mean that's Phantom good. Honestly, I, I can like them follows you around. I mean, that's fine. But, but you can I turn guess. them on and off, right? Can you? As yes, long you as can you turn could. them off. Yes. I, I, yeah. I don't you, yeah. No. Yeah, you'll you'll get the whole thing once you finish that first temple. But every there the four regional phenomena are your backup. And as you finish those those quests, their phantom people follow you and will then be able to you'll be able to have those powers throughout the course of the game. I mean that's that's commensurate with what Breath of the Wild did with the the, the Guardians. So I mean it, again if you oh, no, look no, at no. It, what no 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 i'll spoil this they fight you have a fucking crew they will oh, fucking they have actually fight well that's how they it was with the temple okay. out. 
Good. And that Good. is that is my favorite part of it is like bitches be like clobbering, fucking shooting arrows at bitches. At one point, there was a fucking like clear out all the monsters in the town quest. I stood back. I said, y'all go for it. <laughs> I kept on dying. So there was one point I literally was just like, they all rushed in and alerted the, the Bacoblins. I said, you know what, bitches? Y'all got this for a minute. And I just stood back and let them play because I was tired of dying. <laughs> I will say the AI in general, both with the sort of village people who are roaming around helping you, and then these four oh, guard and these four people, and then the um, the 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 enemies fighting each other. Like I love nothing more than instigating fights among like the Zonai or whatevers, and then the local you know blobs and macablins and whoever, and just let them take each other out or. You know, I haven't done too much with this yet, but I know there's ways to build little contraptions that sort of kind of Rube Goldbergianly engineer their deaths in in creative ways. So I think how, how many Koroks have you killed so far? Have you how many Koroks have you crucified for our Lord Jesus Savior? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I don't. You don't kill them. What are you talking about? They they just get oh, revealed. People ha- people have been murderizing the Koroks. How do you murder them? I didn't know you could do that, huh? I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't know how much um, how much they die, but I know I saw somebody throw one of the Koroks off of the Sky Islands. Oh shit! Um, yeah, they There's, must pop okay, they, back though. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they respawn. I mean, and do you honestly, know how many Koroks there are in this game? No, a thousand. Oh my god! Well, I mean, they're so. I mean that that's such a like a gift. They're they're not they're not completely like dumb. Like they're fine. It's whatever. But like I I respect and admire the people who do all the skull tullas. Not that there's I don't think there's skull tullas in this game. But the same th- idea with Koroks. Like you find yeah. all of them and you get the little whatever. I don't know. That's fine. Like I'm not oh, that level also of completionist. A, there was also a Poe capturing, uh, similar to Koroks. They've added in a second um, yes. capture and and redeem thing so yeah it's i mean so so i mean i've been playing on talking about a lot it's pat you like this game what, what what's the you i thought you had some hot takes or some uh you know I disparaging know. i don't know if hot takes i'm just i i must be really bad at this game this is a game for children <laughs> and i am so bad at it first off how the fuck do people figure out how to like what to build i keep i keep forgetting that i have an ascend feature Oh, right. And I don't have an, a, a degree in engineering. If I did, <laughs> I would not be doing the job that I'm currently doing, making the money that I'm currently making. So for them to think that I'm going to figure out how to make a fucking spaceship, because there are points where you've got, like, there's control sticks, there's fans, there's batteries you add on to it. There's all of this shit. And I don't. What do I do? I make bridges. I just add plank to plank to plank to plank and just put a bridge down and I fucking walk somewhere somewhere like that's the that's the the scope of what I can do. They do eventually introduce a feature that will auto build things that you've already made. I, cool. I that is a thing as well. So <laughs> it I, is nice because you if you build something cool or like there's something you have to create, you it then gets stored in and you can build that easier next time. I think the engineering thing is is the the best way I've seen that they do this is I mean a they flat out just show you examples early on, and those aren't very subtle but they're kind of hilarious. You're like, oh, gee, is that what I'm supposed to build? 
Um, but then like the more advanced stuff, like they do the shrines and it, you, you, you end up doing a bunch of shrines that kind of give you building block, like sort of suggestions that you didn't have to use to solve the puzzle. And then you go, Oh, I guess I could kind of do that. Like I just did the spring one and I was like, Oh, that's cool. The springs would be pretty useful if I had like a, I don't know, whatever, uh, somewhere high up, I got to jump, but they, they kind of do overload you with the abilities of to, to do different things. I mean, I would have been okay if they had given us like ultra hand and then nothing else for a bit and then oh now fuse makes sense and then uh oh okay yeah that ascend is pretty handy do you know that that ascend feature is a debug that they had in breath of the wild and they went oh my god wouldn't it be cool to add this as a power and then they did the developers the developer said that he hated having to backtrack in um in like caves and dungeons yeah so that that's why it became a thing which yeah, i mean I it's very helpful oh it is because it is. caves are ridiculous sometimes like the expansive nature of some of these caves like i've gotten lost going through some of the caves and then it's just like okay just ascend out and the next thing you know you're back in hyrule field or wherever you're at and it's just like okay well i'll go check it out some more later um i also and and i don't remember because it has been a while since i played breath of the wild but and maybe, and, and I'm starting to see I'm, I'm have stronger weapons now. Um, still doesn't prevent me from getting killed. Uh, I just get killed in more hits than <laughs> I used to. There were points where, like, I'd fight a stone talus and I get one shot it in no time. Like one one boulder hits me, fucking dead. I've twelve hearts, fucking wiped out in one hit. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember the mechanic. First off, I have harder time flurry getting a flurry rush. One, um, maybe I'm just bad at it. I thought I was decent at it during uh, Breath of the Wild. But I've been finding that I will start fighting an enemy. And in the middle of me hitting them with a fucking sword, they just turn around and they fucking hit me and kill me. Like, I am literally stabbing them in the eye. Or I've got a fucking (laughs) spear and I'm literally stabbing them in the face. And they're like, oh, 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 hit and kill. Yep. Why? Like... I literally, I said that to the group chat. Like, I had a vent because I was going to throw my controller across the room because these enemies don't stop hitting you when you are in the middle of, like, a four, like, swing combo. And that, like, how do you prevent that? How do you not, like, how do you not die? Like, I'm literally, like, I'm hitting the A button in or um, X button, whatever it is, to to do my attacks and this this Bacoblin just fucking nails me with the goddamn you know warhammer. How does that work? I, I think I they really I, want you not to smash the attack and be a little more strategic. Like I know there was a tutorial they showed you where it, you know you're you're focused on the guy and you're dancing around and you kind of watch the pattern. And I, I feel like there's something there where if you kind of knew their their recharge time or their whatever you know whatever mechanic they're doing. That'd probably help, but I not to I say that saying like I don't I can't do it. I die so much too, but I have like six hearts. Like I have just I have scratched the surface of the shrines and gotten so done few. Sixty and I, out of one hundred and fifty shrines. Oh wow! Like well, I'm pretty good. I'm a decent way. Like you know, not not all the way there yet, but I'm like you know, I literally have done sixty shrines. I've gotten I have two and a quarter, two and a third wheels of stamina, and at least twelve hearts. And now and the Master still... Sword. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad you finally get that That back, shit but... is OP as fuck. Yeah. But, but it depletes with, ener- you know, with energy, and then you can't yeah. use it for a while. But um, Yeah, I can't wait to get that back, because seriously, 
going through these freaking like rusty claymores and and they they do explain i guess a bit more of why things are so shitty because of the whole gloom and upheaval and all the stuff that the opening triggers but man it's frustrating when you were just wailing on a goblin a goblin and freaking sword breaks you're like i don't miss well, that get, <laughs> get used to this early since you're earlier in the game than i am and i wish i would have thought about like thought this we have you're given a power right off the bat to make that easier fuse yeah fuse everything to your fucking weapons especially the soldier construct stuff like the construct horn the construct whatever like uh if you get up a goblin horn like a trident horn those things up the the damage that you deal out so much more it's, I use again I, i'm not used to these mechanics so i literally was just beating them with fucking sticks and then i was like oh I should probably add a rock to this yeah. stick and make it a hammer. I do that. That that's my go-to. Is I'm I got wood sticks. I got a rock nearby. I'm making a hammer. I'm making a club. I'm doing that. But like you said, you know, you can fuse pretty much anything to anything, and sometimes the results are like ridiculous. Like you know, putting a mushroom at the end of your sword. Now you got a bouncy stick. Like you can poke them and they'll bounce away or or whatever. Like it, it's 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 overwhelming though, and it's kind of awesome. But it's just there's so many and then we didn't even talk about the cooking which i remember cooking be a being a big part of the stuff last game but i feel like they've upped that like even more with just so many permutations and you can have a portable pot now and you can make fire anywhere it's 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 great but again it's just overwhelming with the options you have you know yeah. but uh, and yeah, now just wait, till you, wait wait until you do more of the the story and the the dragon tears Oh, you haven't unlocked that quest yet. Um, oh, no, have you? None of the glyphs yet. That is one of the biggest main storylines in the... Um, uh, that is part of the story, but not, like, the main quest line. But but it, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting thing. We'll have to discuss that after more time has passed and more people have done those pieces. Uh, but, no, I, I love the game as well. It infuriates me. Um the pod dog hates it when I play uh, Tears of the Kingdom. He will leave the room and go lay in bed. Oh, he does not. I he just leaves. That's I don't so know why. Weird. I wonder what it is. You know, I don't know. Uh, the other because pod- I'm not paying any attention to him. The other pod I dog, mean- uh, you know, his sister loves to just like lay there next to me and just kind of like you know snores away while I'm playing. But uh, she she who otherwise hates any weird sounds does not seem to give one fuck about me wailing on these things and picking up a million little trinkets and she's whatever. That's so funny. Uh, well, well, tears of the kingdom is out now. Yeah. Go play it. If you haven't, if you're a Zelda fan, lots of, lots of Zelda Easter eggs and tiebacks and callbacks and uh, goodness to be had. Dear listeners, again, thank you so much for listening, for being a part of our podcasting journey. Uh, check us out if you have not on our website, flameonshow.com, and check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. Now, real quick, we're going to do a fast paced round of uh, one ups. So, Brian, we're going to circle back around. What is your one up? I have really been enjoying. enjoying the return of Catherine the Great, aka the show The Great on Hulu. Uh, if you have not watched this show and you know anything about history of of that era of Russia, 
throw it out the window. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't have anything it, occasionally true is the moniker they use. And, and uh, this season is proving more and more how occasionally true it can be. But uh, great show. Nicholas Holt, who is the Beast in um, most recently was Renfield. Uh, Beast from X-Men, the first class and all those movies. And uh, Fanning, Elle Fanning of... I think she was a little kid at one point in uh, the village or something. I don't know. She, she's been around. Amazing. I'm sure she was a little kid at one point. Yeah. But I mean, like an actor kid. But uh, but this role is fantastic for her. They are both so fun together. And then the rest of the cast is just amazing. The show is lewd, very anachronistic, delightfully so. It, it's just, it's it's mostly funny, a little bit serious at times, but it is just so great. And it's on Hulu. If you got it, watch it. You won't. Uh, you, you'll love it. Nice. Eric, let's toss it over to you. What's your one up? Okay, I'm going to talk fast because I got something to say. Um, so I'm going to start with actually a poisonous mushroom uh, because Disney Plus slash Hulu are removing up to 50 movies slash series from their platforms. A lot of these are original content that are not available anywhere else or on physical media. Um, so it's just bad all around for anyone involved with the creation. That being said, because this is happening and most of it's going to be taken off on the 26th. So before y'all out there listening to this, get a chance to, but two uh, big things that it, forced me to go see before they were taken off the platform was first the documentary Howard, which is uh, talks about the life and times of Howard Ashman, who wrote the who was the lyricist for Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin also wrote the music with Alan Menken for Little Shop of Horrors um, and was just very influential to the Disney Renaissance. It's a great watch. I think it's only like an hour and a half. Uh, but especially, this is especially damning, uh, with the new little mermaid coming out in theaters just the week after it's going to be taken off the platform. So, um, also he was gay and died of AIDS, which was sad. Um, but as, 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 but the other thing I watched was, which was more uplifting, uh, was the series Encore, which was executive produced by Kristen Bell which is going to high schools that previously had performed musicals and now 10, 20, 30, 40 years later is reuniting the cast of those musicals to put in an encore performance of their high school musical. So you have people who in 1992 performed The Sound of Music are now coming back in 2021 and recreating that um they bring in uh professional directors uh music directors and choreographers uh as well as like pro ensemble players to fill out casts that aren't returning uh it's just very happy um and joyous uh so i suggest in checking some of those episodes out um they try and build a little bit of tension uh when like someone will come back and like i didn't get the lead role but i want to audition for it now but there's not really anything that happens the people that did it originally get always get the part um but it's it's happy i really liked um let's see here the 
the first episode, the Annie episode was really good. I really liked the Anything Goes episode. Those people were from 1975. That was the oldest one that they brought back. Um, and then Godspell was really good. Uh, but yes, if those are still on the platform, when you listen to this, go out and check out those series before they disappear uh, and are lost to the ether forever, um, which is sad. Uh, that's why I, you know, people people might laugh at me for still buying like DVDs and CDs because so much is you know, on streaming. But when things like this happen, when companies decide they don't want to have that that show or that that IP on a on a streaming platform anymore, what are you supposed to do? Like, how do you how do you not like how do you watch it again or how do you participate in that that art? And I'm I'm still a huge proponent of physical media, personally. Yeah, same here. And and a lot of these shows weren't the biggest things ever, but the Howard Ashman documentary was a big thing because he was a very pivotal person to uh, the Disney Renaissance, um, as well as probably the biggest thing on here was that's being taken away is the Willow series that just came out last year. Um, they're taking it off, wow. um, which I know it wasn't. Like uh, it was canceled after the one season, but they're just going to disappear. And I don't know why that's crazy money. Uh, I think the creator was still trying to say oh. like, no, it wasn't, it wasn't canceled. The bitch, Disney's, Disney's making it really <laughs> seem like it. If they're taking that first season off right quick, that's yeah. crazy. But, but with that, and that part of that is because Disney is, um, finally exercising their right they are going to be absorbing buying out hulu and absorbing it into the disney plus um app the the world of, of so the new app's going to come out just called plus <laughs> i mean well it's in the uh, plus i'll i'll uh, max that max. just came out yeah, because I saw HBO that. Max's app did not just turn into max you had to download a separate max app yeah. Oh well, damn. It's so dumb. But oh. it did prompt the Peacock account to uh, tweet out, "We will not be dropping the first half of our name." <laughs> <laughs> Probably get some more attention if they did. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to uh, gonna have to see if uh, if we can still sign in on that that, that account of the new app. <laughs> Oh, you should be able to. Everything just just we all just look at BJ. I mean, every you should be able to. Everything they just said, everything will just move over. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm sure. <laughs> just like I didn't know that I had to get, download a new app on my my smart TV. And then now there's like an even higher level package that has like a thousand more movies and, and shows. Yeah. That are not accessible at like the lower levels. I'm like. It's one thing if you're gonna if you're gonna tier the platform to be like okay, basic is you have ads and one device at a time, like the the Netflix of it yeah. all, like where it's like how many devices, what quality, so okay, four K and four devices, or do you want eight K? Like tiering it for those things, I don't like it, but I can understand it. But when you're like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna gatekeep. And put this, these shows, these movies behind another paywall. It's like, 
I feel like that's kind of shitty. I've also it's heard that YouTube, that I've also heard that YouTube might start charging for the highest video quality. Well, I hope so it's like 8K you, you, like because you be I'm not watching watch shit in, in 8K. In HD. Um, even you get standard definition for free. I mean, that's what Which... that's what Netflix does. They charge for 4K. They charge they do an upcharge yeah. for 4K. Yeah. Which like I, I, uh, I don't know. I guess I don't notice because I don't have a 4K TV, so it's irrelevant. Yeah, to me. exactly. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Late stage Sorry capitalism. for that long and winding poisonous mushroom slash one up, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck Disney. No, uh, press, but support the Writers Guild if you can yes. in any way. Yes, and support if they start creators. trying to pump out AI written shows. Don't watch them. Fuck it. Do not do not support that. Any any type of uh, scab AI writers. I don't know what that means exactly, but uh, but yeah, no support the the writer strike and um, SAG might be striking as well. So yeah, they're currently voting on it. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a pivotal point. The mediums oh, change the, these things. The the current on on Max, they took away individual like crediting for like directors and producers and whatnot, and now just groups them in under a heading just called creators. Hmm. And he's only fans. <laughs> and so now the directors guild is not very happy about that. I saw that headline today. Um, oh, bitch. Good. Let them all fucking strike. Let's do it all at the same time. Could we like, could we get all of this shit to just shut down and then that way we can get it all resolved and then get back to like producing <laughs> shit? Because... Well, I mean, the economy's about to just break down because the debt ceiling's not going to get raised. Yeah. And, and I'll be do in Puerto Rico that... when oh, that happens. That's, that's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> We're not getting into that right now. <laughs> So BJ, what's your one up? <laughs> exactly. Yes. There we go. I was gonna say I've been trying to do a streaming micro for years now, where we could talk, air our grievances about streaming companies. <laughs> it's on the docket. But um, no, my uh, my one up. They actually today they had the PlayStation Showcase, the big one uh, for the year, um, and they announced a couple of interesting games. Uh, they are doing a remake of the third Metal Gear Solid. I'm not a huge Metal Gear Solid fan, but I have a lot of friends that are. Um, they also announced that they're going to make a PS5 handheld type dealie. Um, not, not, it, it looks kind of like a PlayStation version of a Switch, but it's more set up like an NVIDIA Razer, where it's more for streaming your games than um, actually playing games on it. And no word on the specs on or whether or not you can download games to it directly. So it's kind of I, more like I think least- I think they had an asterisk that said for only games on the PS five. Or maybe that was just to specify that it's not going to do VR games. I think that's yeah, what it's, it was. Or, I, or it's it's only games you can only stream games from your PS five. So yeah. as of right now, you can't like I'm sure there'll be people trying to jailbreak it so you can stream from your PC. Um, cause PlayStation is pretty PC friendly. I have a controller that I hook up to my, um, to my, uh, computer to play, uh, steam games on and steam even recognizes that I'm using a PlayStation controller. Um, 
So, yeah, so they got that. And then at the end, they finally dropped a huge trailer with some gameplay concept uh, visuals for Spider-Man 2, uh, which I believe is supposed to come out later, late this year. Uh, it looks absolutely amazing. I'm already seeing a bunch of uh, thirst tweets about Craven the Hunter. Um, so he does. He looks super fucking hot. Um, and we get to we get some gameplay. <laughs> oh no, not even lying. Like like there was already a hot dude on the screen, like like hunting him, and then Craven shows up and is even hotter and, and larger. So yeah, um, yeah, there will be thirst porn. Uh, like like. Uh, the rule 32 rule 42 art rule 32 rule 32 um but yeah so the main villain looks to be craven and he's not just hunting spider-man he's i hunting, don't know if he's gonna be the final boss though uh he's hunting everybody like yeah. he brings up he brings somebody brings up a little visual thing it's got kingpin prowler all uh black cat everybody is is going to be uh, targets for Craven, which I love the idea that he's not just hunting Peter, but he's hunting his rogues gallery. And uh, we've also got some nice visuals of Peter in the black suit, the symbiote uh, suit. Yeah, and, and actual Venom, not just the black suit. Like, yeah. He is Venom. He is, he is definitely um, feeling the rage uh, from something that Craven has done in the game. So I can't, the story for the Spider-Man, the Spider-Man game and the Miles Morales Spider-Man game are phenomenal. So I absolutely can't wait to play this. Uh, yeah, that was probably, yeah, Spider-Man 2 was really good. I am very excited about Final Fantasy 16 that's coming out. Next oh yeah. Uh, I'll probably finally break down and buy a PS5 just so I can play that. Uh, but my surprise of the the whole showcase was a little indie game called The Plucky Squire. Oh, that's cute. Uh, yeah, I saw that. That which, looks super cute. Which started off just as like a, like being played in a storybook, but then it uh, went all... Shoot, what is that, uh, Zelda? Uh, a Link Between Worlds? That's the yes. one? Yeah, where all of a sudden he is in the real life of the game and playing throughout that and it just looks super adorable and I want to play it now. Very nice. I, I have not seen any of the the game footage. Um, I did see that Spider-Man 2 was announced and um, it makes me want to play Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man Miles Morales which maybe one day I will. I started playing the first Spider-Man game on PS4 back in the day but um, I think it was quote unquote lost with my stuff. <laughs> um, you know, that three-year-old saga of a uh, moving company stealing my shit. But anywho, uh, yeah, looks really good. So that's exciting news for some fun games down the pike. All right. My one up is music related. Apparently that's all that I have left. So <laughs> that, that's been a part of my life. Um, first thing I will mention, I am super excited. Janelle Monet, uh, the age of pleasure, her next album, her first one in five years. I can't believe it's been five years since dirty computer graced our lives with its presence. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, I was about to do one of those, uh, uh, those memes where it's like the stick figure and it's a picture of a Taylor Swift album. It's like, 
you've literally changed my life. And then it's just a picture of the album cover. And it's like, I'm literally an album. Um, but Dirty Computer is one of those. If you know me, if you've listened to this podcast for a long period of time, you know that Dirty Computer is a huge piece of my soul. Like it, it unlocked feelings and 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 pieces of how i look at myself um, to the point where i have dirty computer tattooed on my wrists like it's a whole thing um it's become my personality but we had we were treated to lipstick lover as uh technically the first single it's also when she announced the album uh it's not the first single per se because flow is on the album as well it didn't really receive a full out like Hey, I'm dropping a new single, but she did, and she used it a lot uh, on on the socials, on TikTok, on Instagram, and her her videos. Um, and, and it kind of went past me when it came out. But Lipstick Lover dropped full video treatment. It is the most lesbian video you could imagine, and that's tough when she made a video for Pink. Like it is a, a, a sapphic um wet dream uh ending with Janelle Monet on a bed littered with dildos and vibrators. Like it is it's a whole thing. But she is releasing this album on June 9th. Um so evolving her free ass motherfucker self into dropping a pride album on uh six nine. I mean, what better date to put out The Age of Pleasure than on June 9th? But I'm going to circle back to the TikTokification of music. <laughs> the album has one track that's over three minutes long, and that's Float. I think Float's almost four minutes. Everything else is under three minutes long. And it sucks having so much of popular music or some of the bigger artists kind of focusing and maybe not intentionally but at the same time the oh, shit I think of, the studios are pushing oh, yeah, them no. seeing that way. Yeah, yeah, seeing where the streams are wanting to go viral having your, your the songs used in videos and I know that TikTok now has 10 minute videos that you can do uh, if you have a certain number oh. of followers gotcha um but again, who's watching a 10 minute TikTok? Like, I've watched some long TikToks. I have, because it tends to be more of a political or or kind of real poignant message uh, in the, the video. Well, people are posting full ass movies on Twitter now because for Twitter Blue now allows you to post up to two hours of video. And so people were just like, okay, I'm just going to post the Super Mario movie. Yep. Yeah. And, and I so, hope that Nintendo sues the fuck out of them. <laughs> and Twitter, not the person who uploaded yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, maybe them too, but, but it's definitely <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> yes, chaotic, chaotic good in, in in a lot of ways still still applies to the world. But um but yeah, it's it's very much like three minutes is a lot of times your longest TikTok, and that is kind of the cutoff now for a lot of these songs, which I'm not saying a song can't be amazing and be under three minutes, 
but most of the time it'd be nice if there was more to the song because a lot of times a three minute song just feels incomplete. It feels like it could tell more of a story. Uh, Rodimus letter is like one of the only like minute long songs where from start to finish, I'm like, I moved by, by it, but that's also because it's from Aida and there's a whole story wrapped around it. And it's not just that one song by itself, but I, I want to see, you know, and that that's where gag order was like, there's a mix of some shorter songs and some longer songs. Um, but I, I, I hate to see music go that route when like, look at dirty computer, dirty computer had an emotion picture attached to it. This album is going to be like, I think it's like 14 tracks or 16 tracks. And it's like 30 minutes long. And it's like, this is, uh, it's just rough, but I'm excited for it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to poo poo anything. I'm not, I'm going to lament the loss of longer songs. Um, but I'm super excited because she is an amazing artist and with her being so much more open and free and just not being Cindy Mayweather and, and hiding behind a persona and, and letting us into her life and her thoughts without any type of um, filter on it. It's amazing. And I'm excited to see what the age of pleasure is when it's released. Uh, the other piece of that on a music standpoint, um, there are two tours coming to the U.S. later this year that I am super excited for. I was playing Tears of the Kingdom one night, and at 12.21 a.m., I got an email saying that Damien Rice had announced four, four, eight, I don't know, um, I think it was four shows in the U.S., He's been doing a lot of Europe and like Australia, Asia, but a lot of not U.S. touring and then announced four dates here in the U.S., one of which being Chicago. And I was so excited. They gave you less than 10 hours to prepare for a presale. But I'm going to see Damien Rice in December. And then I was immediately treated to a follow up of finding out that Liz Fair was going on tour and now I'm going to feel old to celebrate the 30th anniversary of her seminal work exile in Guyville. And she is playing the entire album during this concert. Plus some of the, the hits or the songs that the fans love. Uh, she did not tour for her last studio album, Soberish, uh, which she probably would have done some of that, that new music with, if she had stayed on the Alanis Morissette Jagged Little Pill 25th slash 26th anniversary tour. Um, so I'm assuming that some of Soberish will appear during that set. And then uh, some of the other maybe bigger songs from her other albums, but she is doing in the post. It says that she is doing the entire exile album during these tours. So um Super stoked for that. So Liz Fair playing the city possibly near you. Damien Rice playing a couple cities. If uh, you are a fan of either of those artists, go check them out. Pick up Janelle Monet's album. Stream it on June 9th. Do whatever you want to do. But go support these artists. And um, yeah, I love it. So thank you all. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us. This is a little bit longer. It's the first time in a long time that we've really had a lot to say about a lot of topics. <laughs> but um, we're excited to to do this. We're glad that you were okay with us dropping this a week late. Uh, so we appreciate you all. Go check out flameonshow.com. 
and patreon.com forward slash flame on show. And until next time, bye bitches. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.